Hello and welcome to Let's Dive In. It's our little podcast. Where we have a go at answering questions all about life, the universe and everything in it. I'm Phil. And I'm Julie. So let's dive in. How are you, Julie? I am well, thanks, Phil. How are you? I'm grand, I'm grand. Do you, do you know what I did last weekend? No, tell me. I did something that I haven't done in years. I went up to the Dublin Mountains, just up around Tignock, and I laid down in the grass and I stared up into the sky and I tried to find shapes in the clouds. It was idyllic. First thing I want to say is there's a place called Tidnock. Tignock 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 What a great name for a place Yeah it's great (laughs) And second of all What I haven't done anything like that For years Did you see anything cool in the sky Well uh, There was a dolphin Looked like it was leaping over a dragon And then a fellow who looked like he was trying to open a tin of beans But it was all a bit weird It sounds a bit weird. Did you see any of those um, trails of clouds in the sky that are left behind by airplanes? Yes, yes, I did. There were some, and there were some kind of cool crisscrossy type patterns in the sky. It was quite pleasant. That's actually really nice because the question that we've chosen for this show is all about these crisscrossy patterns of clouds. So it's cool that you saw them. Yes, and it was asked in one of our classes at UCD Explore, and it's being read by nine-year-old Nathan. What are the lines of clouds that trail behind airplanes? Thanks for reading that, Nathan. And we've got a brilliant person to help answer us. Like, brilliant. This person is an aerobat. An aerobat. So it's it's Batman or Bat or Batgirl. That's even cooler. Or uh, who who who? No, no, no. Not quite Batman or Batgirl. But an aerobat is a person who does acrobatics in the sky. With airplanes. That's ah, even cooler. That's ah, so awesome. Who are you? Uh, hello, my name is uh, Squadron Leader Nick Critchell, and I am Red 3 with the Royal Air Force Aerobatic Team, the Red Arrows. Aha! I totally got my inner nerdy geek in the sun when we had a chance to speak to Nick. We talked about jet engines and autopilot systems in jet engines and how old and new jets are different. It was fantastically awesome it was a really cool chat and we will hear from nick again in just a minute but first i think it's time to hear what the kids think those lines of clouds in the sky really are i think it's the fumes that are were in that were from the airplane i think it's the engine that does it because the steam of the engine that's off like a mini cloud, but not a proper cloud. Probably uh, sun rays. Um, may planes have clouds inside them? I think it's from their steam, so they can fly. Just like cars shoot out air from the behind them. Aeroplanes shoot out clouds from behind them. Okay, I love all those ideas, but I think it's time to find out what the answer really is. Yes, so let's fly... Oh, sorry. Let's dive in. Now, before we find out what these trails of clouds behind airplanes are, I think we first need to talk a little bit about what clouds actually are. A cloud is a bunch of water droplets that are floating in the sky. Now, the water droplets form when water vapour, which is an invisible gas 
turns into liquid water droplets or condenses around a tiny particle of dust or dirt that's floating up in the sky. The water vapour is formed when actual water evaporates. For example, you leave a towel to dry out in the sun and it dries. Or you leave a cup of water outside on a sunny day and you come back after a while and some of it is missing. Now, it wasn't your brother or sister that drank it. But what happened was that the water in the cup or the water from the drying towel evaporated. It changed into that invisible gas and floated away into the air. This happens with oceans, rivers and lakes all the time. And all this water vapour drifts up into the air. And when the conditions are just right, they turn back into droplets of water and form clouds. And that all makes sense about how our regular rain clouds form. But how did the trails of cloud behind airplanes form, Nick? When you look up the sky and you see clouds, it's water. Now, when you see one behind an airplane, uh, we call that a contrail. So a contrail stands for condensation trail. Um, and what's happening is that all the airplanes that you see really high up are able to get up there because they have a jet engine. And a jet engine works by burning fuel and a product of burning fuel is that you get water. So out the back of these aeroplanes, you are getting lots of water effectively, and they turn into clouds in the same way that any other cloud does. So if you go high enough, the air gets cold enough to immediately freeze any water that's out there. Now, the science behind the freezing process is that water can't just freeze on its own, it has to hold on to something. And another product of what's coming out the back of an engine is tiny, tiny particles of soot because there's a, a little fire going on inside the engine. So if it's cold enough, the um, water would effectively freeze to these little particles. Uh, and because the aeroplane is going so fast, effectively you get a big trail of cloud coming out of the back of the aeroplane. Okay, now, not all the clouds in the sky have frozen water in them. And for regular clouds to form, you need the temperature of the air and its dew point to be the same. The dew point is the temperature at which water vapour turns back into liquid water. So the higher the dew point, the higher the level of moisture in the air, or the more humid the air is. And this can be really important information for pilots to have. So we spend a lot of time looking at the weather at all the airfields we operate from, and if we can see that the temperature and dew point are close, at the airfield itself, it means that there's the potential in the forecast that if those temperatures start to meet, effectively you will see the cloud, which we will see as fog. But the contrails look so much like clouds. The reason you, it looks like a cloud is because it's just white and fluffy high up in the sky, but actually contrails are purely ice crystals that are formed at the higher levels in the atmosphere because the air is so cold. So we call it a cloud, but it, in the true sense of the word, it isn't, it isn't a cloud. I feel I, I have this image of like an aeroplane painted in the with Elsa on it <laughs> from uh, yeah, Frozen. I was just going to ask like, that. Like, are all pilots? Ice. Yeah. <laughs> are all pilots just singing "Let It Go"? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Most, of us, most of, of us who have kids, we we sing it all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Repeatedly, again and again. <laughs> And what do you think that line of clouds is for? Pushing the plane along. They're not for anything, but it just happens. 
And sometimes they can make beautiful things. I'm, I'm, I don't really know. I think the clouds are there for us, there so we can get fresh water. So they can find their way back to the airport. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked up into the sky and noticed this, but not all aeroplanes make contrails. This is because of how clouds form and how they need the conditions to be just right in order to be created. So, the other day, when I saw several aeroplanes in the sky, two of them looked like they might collide. But only one had a contrail and the other one didn't. Now, this is probably because some things are small and some things are far away. And when things are far away, they may look like they're on the same level or beside each other. There is a clue to their height, though, with the contrails. So as the atmosphere continues to get colder and colder and colder, there will only be a certain band in the atmosphere where it is cold enough and at the correct temperature for water vapour to effectively freeze so quickly to create that trail. Now, not only does it have to be cold, but also the humidity of the air has to be correct enough for the contrail to continue to remain in the sky. So when you look up into the sky and you do see two planes and only one of them has a contrail, now you'll know that they're actually at different heights or altitudes because the conditions like temperature and humidity vary the higher up you go. So to give you an idea of what humidity is, um, we've recently just come back from the United Arab Emirates um, and we've been to Dubai in Abu Dhabi where the humidity was very high. And effectively, when you have high humidity, the air is already full of water. So the water, the sweat that you have on your body can't go anywhere. So I was particularly sweaty and it wasn't going anywhere. So I was actually, we were getting quite, quite wet from our sweat because the humidity was so high and the water can't go anywhere. So if you see a contrail that's lasting a long, long time, that's because the humidity of the air is high enough that the water vapour can't go anywhere and is remaining in the sky. So basically, there are sweaty aeroplanes and then there are not sweaty aeroplanes. <laughs> in the same way that you get sweaty pilots and non-sweaty pilots, yes. Nice, nice. <laughs> oh, and if you could write something or make a pattern in the sky with clouds, what would you make? Oh, I think I would make... A beautiful pattern which has dots, dots, stripes and lines. Write my name and do my part. Ethan. I would make a 3D shape of a cube. England flag. An England flag. Did you know some planes can make colours? Like the red arrows. Yeah, like the red arrows, exactly. I didn't know you knew about the red arrows. Who told you about the red arrows? It said in a book. Given his job as an aerobat with the red arrows, we wanted to know how do their jet planes make the coloured trails they leave behind? Is it the same as the contrails high up in the sky? We have pipes that go to the back of the engine because the back of the engine is so hot. We pump just diesel to the back of the engine that creates white smoke. So we have a group of people called the dye team. So they um, have specialist equipment where they will mix diesel with different colour dye. So we are able to create red, white and blue smoke by putting dye into diesel. So, Julie, this all sounds fabulous, but I have an important question. Okay, fire away. Uh, Your picture is you are a pilot. Oh, got it. Yeah, got it. You have a snazzy jet plane. Nice. 
it had a smoke making uh, device out the back like Nick described. Gotcha. What colour and what pattern do you fly and design in the sky? Ah, uh, what a great question. Yeah. What colour? Um, I'm, in, I'm in a purple phase at the moment, so purple I think it phase. would be purple. Oh. So I guess to, to make the purple dye, I'd get the dye team to mix some red and blue maybe. Does that not make purple? Blue and purple. No, that's purple. No, that's different. And what would I draw? Mm. I would draw a castle. But a castle that's sitting on top of some actual clouds. So it would look like there was like a castle in the sky. You're anything but not ambitious there, Julie. <laughs> like, I mean, not only a cloud, but a cloud on a cloud. It's like cloud inception. And then if it's purple and then it rains, then you've got purple rain. So you've got a soundtrack of purple, purple rain, rain. Purple rain. Purple rain. <laughs> so, uh, okay, I don't have anything to compete with that. But I know what's got someone who will have something cool to compete with it. It's Ashling and her fun fact. Ashling! Do 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 fun fact. I love it. Another brilliant jingle. Oh yeah, you're sticking away there to yourself there, Ashlyn. <laughs> hey, Ashlyn. Guten Tag, meine Freunde. Wow, oh, where's the happy German side coming from? <laughs> well, despite my very, very American accent, my dear old papa is from Germany, and I've been trying to learn the language so I can talk to my oma and opa. Opa and oh my god, that's so sweet. <laughs> oh. The bonus is that I get to share German science stories with you both as well. Oh boy, let's have it then. So what German fun fact have you got for us today on the theme of air travel? I've got migrating birds, specifically the Mecklenburg vor Pommern Feierstorch. Uh, uh, what, what was that now? <laughs> the Mecklenburg and Mecklenburg what now? Okay, well, Mecklenburg vor Pommern, that's a state in northeast Germany and Feierstorch means arrow stork. So what, I mean, like, is it a giant, like, bird that has, like, a bow and arrow? What's, what's the, the filmage? What, I'm sorry, please explain this to me. <laughs> okay, so back in 1822, a flock of white storks landed on a roof of this count's house, Count Christian Ludwig von Wortmeier. That is a mouthful. Well, this wasn't out of the ordinary, but one of the storks looked a little strange, and being who he is, he's like, hmm, I wonder why that is. So he shot it right out of the air. What, he shot it? Why would he do that? Uh, it was the 1800s. They just did science that way, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> But when he shot it and it fell down, he's like, wow, this bird has already been shot by a meter long spear. Yo, what now? <laughs> well, okay. They analyzed it and thought it came from sub-Saharan Africa, which means this was the first physical evidence for German scientists that birds migrated over thousands of kilometers. Okay, but we know that birds migrate all over the world. So what did they think before they saw this guy, this bird? Well, before the 1800s, they had all kinds of weird theories about birds and where they went during the winter, such as three from Aristotle. Ah, yes, that famous philosopher from ancient Greece. Theory number one, transmutation. Birds simply transformed into other birds for the winter. Wait, wait, wait. So you mean that they just kind of decided to change into something else? Like, oh, I'm a little bit cold. So I'll get it changed into another bird that has a massive coat and I'm roasty toasty. That's just mental. Exactly. So the second theory, though, was hibernation. And they thought birds maybe spent the winter hidden away from view and sleeping. But that sounds a little less far-fetched now. I mean, bats do hibernate. They have little bat naps. So that, that's not too far-fetched. Well, this idea was kind of taken a little too far because up until the 1800s, people thought, oh, some swallows, they must just hibernate under lakes in the mud over winter. You what? 
in the mud under a lake. <laughs> exactly. But theory number three was maybe migration. So Aristotle thought this was kind of unlikely. I mean, who would do that? So he put more emphasis on the other theories. Ah, oh, he was so close. Yeah, it doesn't help that the leading expert of migration theory in the 1700s was a Harvard professor who said that birds, like swallows, spent their entire winter on the moon. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, on the moon? No, like the moon out in space or the moon? Like how? What? Where? Did, I mean, that just won't work. Well, I mean, there would be no wind resistance once you got far enough. Yeah, yeah. But there'd be no air at all. There'd just be like dead birds just floating. That's quite <laughs> sad. I mean, this all sounds pretty silly, but if you take a step back, it's pretty unbelievable that birds, they'll journey across the entire world twice a year. And for the Germans, this Feierstorch, it was the first physical evidence of long distance migration. I mean, that's a pretty astounding discovery for them. Hmm, it does really make you stop and think about the big philosophical questions. Like, if a goose honks in space and there's no one around to hear it... Does it make sound? Ha uh-huh. ha! Well, well, uh, there definitely it doesn't in space, but there's one in here somewhere. Um, I don't know. Uh, can you wrap things up? Because I, I appear to have something around in here. Uh-huh. Best of luck with that. Okay, bye. I'm gonna have a no. I'm looking around. I'm trying to have a gander for this old goose. Uh. Sorry, it was just a setup for a bad joke. <laughs> Thank you all so much for making it to the end of our Let's Dive In show. We love making these shows for you. But of course, there's more to it than just having some fun. This show wouldn't be possible without Science Foundation Ireland. Our coordinators, Lorna, Sharon and Avian at UCD Explore. And of course, the one who oversees it all, Nikki Coughlin. And the one who oversees Nikki and everything else, Suzanne Kelly. Finally, a big, huge and giant thank you goes to you, our listeners, for listening and also for sending in your questions. Without you, we wouldn't have a show. So please like, share, subscribe and give us a review if you've enjoyed it. And if you feel so inclined. I mean, we're very much obliged. So thank you and And bye. bye!